Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 16 years. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss critical issues facing government and industry leaders and rolling out 5G strategies and technologies. With me on today's show are Major General Matthew Easley, Director of Cybersecurity, U.S. Army CIO, Dwayne Florenzi, Senior Strategy Executive, U.S. Air Force Office of Commercial and Economic Analysis, Dan Dager, National Risk Management Center, Supply Chain Risk Management Initiative Lead at CISA, Brian Shromsky, Director of Federal Mobile and Connected Solutions at Verizon, Brian Wenger, 5G Solutions Architect at Palo Alto Networks, and Brian Kennedy, Director of Wireless Solutions at Comscope. Well, this is a, a, a fantastic uh, technology that certainly unlocks a lot of capability, high bandwidth, low latency, efficient use of spectrum. Uh, what's not to love, right? Uh, although there, there are a lot of challenges with uh, implementing a, a new technology like this, certainly along the lines of supply chain risk, et cetera. I'm sure we'll talk all about that. Uh, Major Easley, let me start with you at US Army. Uh, give us a state of the state of where the Army is in regards to uh, implementing this technology. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's really an honor to be able to speak to you and your audience today. Uh, for the Army, we are just at our, our starting point for 5G rollout in the Army. Our, our greatest success story to date is the start with, in combination with the uh, Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Engineering. Uh, they have started a whole series of activities across the DOD. And our highest priority in the Army right now is our Army modernization initiatives, our 32 plus 3 initiatives out of Army Futures Command. And two of those, the synthetic training environment, and the integrated visual augmentation system are a way we're going to train our next generation soldiers on in, in the battlefield. But for those systems to work together, our integrated visual augmentation system is one of the key 5G initiatives for augmented reality. Um, and the synthetic training environment has this, this virtual environment. But to make the two work together kind of in our camp posts and stations, uh, we're going to need much, much higher bandwidth and much faster latency. And we see 5G doing that. So our, our first initiative is to make those two systems work together using 5G, a joint base, Lewis McCord. And we'll really see that this synergy uh, between uh, the, the transport, that high-speed transport that 5G will give us, as well as being able to push the compute away from that edge device and onto the, onto the, the 5G tower is hugely transformational because that's gonna allow our soldiers to carry a lot less kit around with them. Since they don't, won't have to carry that transport right next to them, they'll have that 5G system near, the, near enough to them that they'll have that transport or that compute power. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, uh, the soldier these days is a, is a walking, uh, you know, multi IOT device. It's almost essentially a data center and I would imagine this type of capability having that real time low latency uh, ability uh, is going to really enable and unlock a lot of capability for the soldier. Dwayne, how about at U.S. Air Force? I know you've got a, an extensive background in 5G in general. Uh, tell us what's happening at U.S. Air Force and what's happening with sort of the whole 5G community, so to speak. All right, great. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, I came back from industry a couple of years ago. I had been working with uh, previously Alcatel-Lucent, which is now Nokia, um, GE Digital, and then Cisco. Uh, and uh, telecommunications business development internationally. And uh, so what's, what's been exciting in coming back to the DOD is to see the innovative spirit, a real drive to do things uh, differently and, and 
uh, take advanced technologies at the early stages rather than wait until they're more established. And I see that's what's happening even with 5G. Uh, as everybody knows, 5G is really still in its infancy. It's still the, such an early stage. But right now it's the time where we see uh, the, the foundation being laid. For the Air Force, that means putting even 4G uh, LTE uh, first in uh, 10 uh, bases in the south part of the United States. And now we just, just give out uh, contracts for the western part of the United States. And so it's laying that foundation where we start with 4G and then move up to, to LTE. Uh, additionally, uh, many of you know that uh, Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida had been affected by a hurricane. And so that's an opportunity to set up the base of the future. Um, how do we bring innovation in at the early stages and set it up and use that and then scale it across the Air Force? And so even just this past month, uh, there's been a, a workshop with uh, industry and with the Air Force and trying to bring in some innovation into establishing Tyndall Air Force Base. And so 5G is part of that, that concept as well, especially as we think about the flight line of the future. And we can talk more about some of those use cases as we go forward. But even there, we brought in the team from Hickam Air Force Base that's part of the DOD 5G test beds. So it's not just what the Air Force is doing. What I really like, again, coming back into the, to the services here is seeing how the services are really working together, especially with this DOD 5G test beds across 12 different installations and all the services. Well, there's a there's a deep history, of course, of having DoD able to get on the forefront and uh, and take this uh, technology, harden it, and make sure that it can be implemented and scaled at the the scale that the DoD needs. So, uh, the rest of the community certainly thanks you for that, uh, Dan Dagger. Along with all this great capability, I read an article about the geotagging ability that you're going to have that's uh, less than a meter. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. And then I thought, wow. I wonder what the security aspects are of that. And I'm sure you're thinking all about these things. Tell us, give us a state of, state of, of what's happening from a CISA perspective in regards to the uh, national rollout of 5G. Sure, uh, Luke, thank you for, uh, for asking me to speak at the Federal Executive Forum. And um, uh, Tom, thank you. Uh, CISA's mission right now is to protect federal networks. And uh, we don't have the resources to reach out to every federal network and protect it individually. So we do it through uh, collaborative risk management. We identify the risks associated with uh, the networks that uh, the federal government utilizes, and we apply uh, risk management mitigation techniques to, uh, to mitigate that risk. Uh, CISA applies the three strengths that it has to do that. We have uh, the strength of stakeholder engagement uh, capabilities, our risk management capabilities, and then our technical expertise. And we take these strengths and apply them through collaborative risk management to, uh, to secure those federal networks. Uh, I sit in the National Risk Management Center, which is the planning and coordination and risk analysis engine for, uh, for CISA. Uh, we can take a look at threats. We can take a look at the vulnerabilities, uh, the probability that the threat will exploit that vulnerability. And we also look at the consequence to the nation uh, should the vulnerability be exploited. And then we share that information with the rest of federal government, with the state governments, with our regions, tribes, territories, the local uh, governments at the state level. Uh, internationally, and then as well to industry uh, along a sector, for example, or with individual uh, industries uh, in the uh, information and communications technology arena. Or uh, we share that information to the national, to the folks that are running the national critical functions. So we help make uh, CISA the nation's risk advisor in what we do. And our stakeholders make uh, more informed decisions when they have the, uh, the risk information. Uh, it helps them identify and address uh, issues before they become problems with regards to uh, deploying 5G. Uh, we have a national strategy to secure 5G. 
And we also have a CISA 5G strategy that nests cleanly under that national strategy, Secure 5G. And we're operating in a framework with implementation plans to make those strategies a reality. And uh, we're making, uh, CISA is doing its information sharing uh, role uh, through uh, the, that, with that framework in mind, with those strategy frameworks in mind. Uh, for example, the, uh, we do some state, locality, tribe, and territory workshops. We've met with uh, Washington, D.C., with Minnesota, and with Utah. Our stakeholders need assistance on 5G deployments, information, best practices, technical expertise, and CISA provides that. We coordinate a series of workshops, uh, and then we provide them with the information that they need for that 5G threat environment, for the deployment considerations, and available federal resources to achieve a secure and resilient 5G deployment. Uh, one of the other things we're doing uh, is international engagements. Uh, as 5G connectivity becomes a reality in the US, there's a potential for an increase in untrusted vendors, equipment and devices uh, entering the, uh, the area. Uh, whether vulnerabilities are malicious or inadvertent, there will still remain a need to uh, maintain strong relationships with the international partners uh, to communicate risks and to safeguard the flow of information. Uh, so CISA provides support through information sharing, through providing best practice information, through partnering, partnering with trusted market leaders to increase 5G standards and contributions. And then the other thing that's happening with regards to 5G is uh, product development. It's one of the best ways to share information with our stakeholder partners. Uh, we develop a lot of products. It's an easy way to share that information. Uh, things like the sector profile booklet, the 5G basics infographic, overview of risks uh, that are introduced by 5G adoption. Uh, we have an excellent edge versus core paper that just came out. And then uh, we have a 5G myths versus facts. I could go on about the products, but it's, a, it's an easy way for us to share that information with others. Uh, it's public, so people can go to the uh, CISA.gov webpage and uh, look up uh, supply chain and uh, we'll have all the products there. Uh, what a fantastic time for CISA to arrive onto the scene, right? And, uh, and, and have this coordinated effort. I think it's really important to, to do that. Uh, none of us can solve this uh, alone. And as we have this, this new emerging technology, there's gonna be these challenges, these risks and, and uh, mitigating these risks, identifying them, plugging up those holes, super important as we roll this capability out. Brian uh, Shrumsky, that is your role, rolling this capability out. And I know Verizon is on a tear uh, doing that and unlocking that capability across the country. So tell us about sort of the top line, what's going on in the 5G arena with Verizon. Sure. Thank you, Luke. And thank you to the other panelists. Very excited to always talk about 5G. Um, I started my career over at 2G, so we're up to 5 now, which is great. And just to comment on some of the stuff that our other panelists have uh, mentioned, right? So as Dwayne mentioned, we're currently building out the OTL1 and those 10 bases he referenced earlier, uh, which we're very excited that we see LT as well as a migration path to 5G. We're actively participating, as Matt mentioned, in the RE uh, experiments right now going on under OSD and National Spectrum Consortium, as well as IWRP. And then the number one question I usually get from an operator, what is your security model, right? So just to round out with Dan, uh, my public service announcement, we don't use any Huawei or ZTE network infrastructure is the number one question I get. Uh, but we're very excited. We're, we're um, rolling out 5G uh, very aggressively, um, obviously with our millimeter wave, as well as our dynamic spectrum sharing on our 5G nationwide. And the big news for us about a month ago that we can now comment 
is our C-band acquisition in terms of spectrum, where we invested $53 billion to roll out 5G services. And we will start that process in the fourth quarter of 2021, where we'll bring 60 megahertz of spectrum online, right? So the C-band will uh, complement the 5G millimeter wave technology where uh, it will go further and wider. So we're very excited about that. Uh, just to uh, touch on some of the comments that were made earlier, uh, in some ways, we are in early stages of 5G uh, in terms of getting ecosystem or end devices out there to support things like immersive training. Um, but in other ways, we're already well ahead, right? We have all, I would say, all government agencies, federal, state, and local, are actually consuming 5G today, right? So when you look at mobile handset devices, so think smartphones from Apple or Samsung or other providers, agencies are already experiencing 5G, right? So one of the things that I always talk about when I'm on these events is you will consume 5G in many different ways, right? It can be as simple as 5G mobile. You'll see 5G providing broadband access or internet access, very um, easy to understand. And I think what everybody's looking forward to in 5G is that immersive experience when you take all of that together and bring in edge compute when you wanna do uh, the next generation warfighter, right? Have a very immersive training experience on a testing or proving ground, a smart warehouse. Uh, those types of things are actually under development and will actually roll out the next couple of years. But very exciting about uh, 5G and the rollout, obviously with our C-band and we're all in on 5G. Um, you can see with our most uh, recent acquisitions as well as shedding some assets in terms of our media products. Um, and actually just focusing on core network and 5G being the tip of that uh, sphere. Fantastic. And that's good to hear. Congratulations on that. Brian Wenger, uh, how about at Palo Alto Networks? You guys are right in the middle of uh, uh, a 5G tear yourself and rolling out these types of capabilities, uh, a piece of connecting it all together. Tell us about what's happening. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah thanks, Luke. And thanks to the other panelists as well. Um, yeah, Palo Alto Networks has recently released our 5G native cloud security tool, um, which is there to kind of secure cloud environments and secure 5G environments end to end. Uh, we've been heavily engaged with a number of federal programs as well as some private programs as well to develop security standards for 5G. Uh, we've been heavily engaged in some of the, uh, the OTAs, especially down in Albany. Um, We've been working closely with NIST and NCCOE and their lab of excellence to develop some 5G security standards, as well as being engaged with uh, 3GPP to help shape what their security standards and recommendations are to secure 5G environments going forward. So the stance that Palo Alto kind of takes when securing 5G networks is we look at it as a holistic uh, ecosystem almost. We see end-to-end -end security as a major requirement from the user equipment, all the way to the core infrastructure that's hosting the environment, um, all the way down to the different network functions that are provided through the 5G ecosystem and the applications that are gonna be hosted and actually providing the functionality for all the user equipment on the network. So we look to secure each one of those different functions throughout the ecosystem. Um, and our goal is to secure them across all the locations, whether we're talking about securing it at the core, securing it at the multi-access edge, um, or even securing some of the applications that reside in the cloud. We're looking to kind of secure the entire ecosystem end-to-end. -end. And that's what we're developing with NIST and with some of our 3GPP partnerships is to help come up with recommendations for all of our federal customers that are adopting 5G to make sure they're doing it securely. Um, one of the initiatives that we're kind of going through right now is actually taking 
the zero trust architecture that DOD recently released and mapping that to security controls that actually can be implemented in the field to protect these environments. It's just a, a perfect opportunity and great timing to have the conversions of these different capabilities, this zero trust architecture available, 5G, which, you know, uh, some would say is uh, has some plug and play capabilities with it, but must have a web of security over top of it to uh, to stitch it all together and make it uh, certainly make it reliable. Brian Kennedy at Comscope, tell us about what your role is, what Comscope's role is in enabling this fantastic capability across the community. Yeah, Luke, thank you very much and appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this uh, panel today. And uh, I think it's it's really exciting times for us here at Comscope right now. I think when you look at at 5G, and I think uh, um, uh, Brian, both Brian, you know, three of us on here today, but the really, really summed it up quite well as to as to what 5G is is all about. It's really more than just 5G. It's a lot of things that make it up, right? You do have the three pillars, right? The ultra low latency, uh, ubiquitous connectivity, and massive data capabilities. But you know what people need to realize is building out the backbone to support this is uh, is is really key, and that's what a, a lot of what Comscope does in many different ways. I mean, we work closely with all the major operating companies, uh, developing solutions that that ensure that the 5G network um, has a backbone that can support the the, the ultra low latencies and the, and the bandwidths and the capabilities that are that are needed and required to really truly bring a 5G you know user experience uh, uh, to, to to bear. You know, the wired and wireless infrastructures combining licensed and unlicensed spectrum to support the needs. You know, uh, when it's required uh, by the providers, um, you know, everyone's talking about all the cool applications, but you must ensure that the plumbing is, is upgraded to enable full capabilities of that application to be met. Uh, and, and we're doing this in many different ways uh, at Comscope from inside the central office, uh, fiber connectivity, uh, all the way into the outside plant, offering solutions there into in building wireless solutions. We also uh, offer you know, smart poles, you're seeing a lot outdoor now densification where, where all of these different technologies that combine together need to have a, a uh, um, you know, a more aesthetically pleasing solution since we have to densify the network to really support the 5G, um, you know, initiatives. So we're doing a lot of stuff in any, many of these areas that, that really help uh, bring it all together, bring the technology together, uh, give it a backbone and a uh, infrastructure that it can, it can work on for, for a long time to come. So we're really happy to, to be a part of this. And, uh, you know, again, um, the 5G evolution and revolution, you might want to call it, is, is certainly uh, upon us all. And we really do appreciate your role in stitching it all together. Certainly can't have a, a Ferrari going 150 miles on the Autobahn and then turn off on a dirt road, right? The whole end-to-end -end experience has to be there. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Palo Alto Networks is proud to announce the industry's first 5G native security solution for the federal government, built to secure highly distributed cloud-native 5G networks. 5G networks enable new enterprise use cases, allowing for industrial-scale lot networks with ultra-low latency, mission-critical reliability, and a high degree of mobility. For more information, go to paloaltonetworks.com and search 5G. Advancements in technologies present federal agencies with both opportunities and challenges. At Verizon, we embrace those challenges. Verizon invests billions in our global networks every year to deliver secure data reliably. Our advanced communication solutions and modern call centers connect your workforce and citizens in the office, in the field, and internationally. We're committed to modernization that delivers better mission results faster. Verizon. 
We don't wait for the future. We build it. VerizonEnterprise.com slash federal IT. From a simple switch to 5G connectivity, solving federal networking challenges has never been easier with Comscope. We understand federal networks demand agility, reliability, and security to protect and serve our citizens. Whether the connection is wired, Wi-Fi, cellular, or all three at once, Comscope pushes what's possible, delivering superior network performance in any environment. Go to comscope.com federal to learn how our innovations help you achieve your mission. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about 5G, and we're just getting ready to talk about uh, specific use cases. I'm going to ask you, Dwayne, uh, to give us an example of a, uh, a use case of where this uh, capability is rolling out at the U.S. Air Force. All right, great. Well, you know, as we mentioned earlier, 5G is still at its very early stages, and most of the um, focus has been on the enhanced broadband capability, which is there already. And, the, and the, the really transformational aspects of 5G are the ones that are still coming, and that's the uh, ability to connect to everything, the Internet of Things, as well as the extremely low latency, almost no delay. And uh, I think where we see it, the kind of the closer range transformational opportunity uh, I see in the commercial area is in factories, uh, in terms of setting up a private network at a factory where you're able to capitalize on all aspects of that in a very secure environment. And uh, uh, we, and if, for instance, you can see like Mercedes-Benz has already started this where they can change the assembly line uh, on the go. They have over 300 autonomous vehicles to bring in parts uh, just when they need it. And then if with augment, uh, augmented reality glasses, the people on the floor can actually call up schematics and, and dashboards and do troubleshooting. Well, I see this similar type of application uh, as we consider the flight line of the future. And we're, we're looking at these use cases at Hickam, uh, uh, Joint Base uh, Pearl Harbor, Hickam in Hawaii. And that's part of the DOD 5G test beds. And as I said, also we're trying to tap that into maybe in uh, Tyndall Air Force Base. And so it's looking at how do we uh, optimize the flight line and maintenance especially. If you can capture the data that's coming down from the aircraft and the maintenance team has that ahead of time, and able to bring the parts in in time, use augmented, um, augmented reality to capture more data, as well as autonomous vehicles to bring the parts together and also control inventory, uh, do preventive maintenance. There's so many different applications. So it's, again, this is where you see the real advantage of 5G. It's the ubiquitous nature of it, taking all these kind of disparate capabilities and bringing them all together and really having uh, an impact on the mission. Brian Wenger at Palo Alto Networks. Um, you have a, uh, you're in a unique situation like, like uh, many of our partners where you're seeing this sort of across the, uh, the community. Give us one example of where you're seeing some early adoption of this capability where you're able to sort of get in there and, and put this wrapper around it, if you will, that you described earlier in securing it. Yeah, so Palo Alto, especially within our 5G team, um, we continue to have a joke that this is this is the first time in a lot of our careers that we've seen the government is actually leading the charge here. Um, they're much further ahead than we've seen in a lot of the private sector industries that they're adopting 5G much quicker. They seem to have a vision for the future that is a little bit more well-formed than we're seeing with some of the private sector organizations out there. Um, so when we take a look at this, we're looking at sort of predominantly what's going on within the OTAs at the uh, 
the, the military and the Air Force has released to try to uncover their use cases. Um, what Palo Alto kind of brings to bear there and what our vision is and how we're partnering with them is really based around this zero trust approach um, that's kind of taking off at a rapid pace within the government is we're looking at securing these environments and we're looking at doing it in a way that adds to kind of zero trust. And when we think about what zero trust means, it's, it's kind of all about contextual information driving the access for what the users or the equipment or massive IoT devices have within the 5G environments. Um, and what that really means for us at Palo Alto is how can we grab contextual information that's relevant for 5G and apply access and apply rights and apply network functions um, and policies based off of that. So what we're really looking to do through some of the efforts with these OTAs, as well as some of the, the lab of excellence that NIST and NCCOE has uh, developing, is how can we come up with policies and how can we grab the contextual information which is relevant to 5G, like subscriber IDs and network slice IDs, instead of relying on legacy technology like an IP address or a username. So we're really developing this zero trust approach, which is going to be specific to a 5G environment. Major General Easley, I apologize. I think I cited you as Major Easley before. We're going to promote you back to General with no ceremony. Uh, give us an example, specific example of what's going on at the U.S. Army. I know it's early adoption time, but um, I know that you all are in the middle of doing some of these capabilities. Can you give us an example of a program that you're rolling this out? Sure. We're... Just like uh, Dwayne said, again, we're looking at a lot of different use cases. Uh, this year, we've got two um, that I would like to highlight. One is how do we take the same technology and make it work in our in our command posts and our training centers? Um, again, a, a command post is this real conglomeration of systems that need to come together to create this 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 operation center that we can go fight our wars from. Um, again, we've got our logistics pieces coming in there, our fire control pieces, our personnel pieces, all these kind of different systems have to come together in real time so the commander can see the situation awareness and they can make a decision and get those orders out to these systems. As we add more robotic systems in there, the ground robotics or aerial systems, this, this kind of complicated network becomes even more complicated. So we see uh, work at Fort Hood and, 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 at, and, uh, and uh, at the National Training Center as some of those kind of key initiatives to be able to do that. But as, as we talked about uh, from all these pieces, this doesn't come from free. There's a lot of work we have to do to make these different systems talk to, talk to each other. And we see a zero trust architecture as a way to do that. Um, we know we've, we've got to dynamically switch between um, a, a military provided network and a commercial network where we can. So when, we, when our soldier has a 5G endpoint, it's going to find the best route to be able to get that data, to be able to send that message uh, through the system. So, a lot of work that our, our network cross-functional team is doing trying to, to figure out how to make that network of the future work for us. Brian Shrumsky, how about at Verizon? Uh, give us uh, an example of a use case where um, uh, you're rolling this capability out across the federal service. Sure, so I'll, uh, I'll stick on the military theme. One of the ones that we're very proud about, um, obviously we're participating in the OTAs and test beds, but. I'll talk about real-world use cases in our work at Miramar right now with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brandon Newell, where there's actually a commercial network deployed on the base. It's the first 5G millimeter wave network in the military um, from a commercial standpoint, where they're actually having a living lab. They're actually doing active testing, as Dwayne mentioned, on flight lines, where they actually have autonomous vehicles shuttling men and women around the flight line on an autonomous shuttle. 
there's an autonomous flatbed that's actually transporting autonomous drones. So you get a double, a double there. Um, and then they're also looking to use both the 5G and 4G uh, network to do different things around base perimeter security. Um, they're actually doing a lot of work on smart energy. They actually have a solar array there. They're actually using uh, wireless connectivity to actually power that. But I think the, the beauty of that is it's a commercial network. And they're actually using what Brian mentioned in security and all those things over a commercial network. Obviously, we're actively participating. We, we can build private uh, 4G and 5G networks. But, you know, this is a real-world deployment. This is not a test or experiment. They are doing testing experiment, but this is a fully functional um, world-class commercial network on a military installation in a highly congested. I think one of the things that I have a huge appreciation for the military in logistics is actually deploying a commercial network or a private network over a military installation and all the work that actually needs to do that, right? Um, you have to coordinate with the FAA, right? And you're right, right outside of San Diego. This is not a remote uh, facility. This is an urban environment. So all of that coordination with Verizon and working with the base uh, leadership to do that is no easy feat. And they're taking uh, advantage of that today of actually deploying and testing 5G services on a commercial network. Dan, how about at CISA? You, again, have cited sort of this, this coordinated effort that, uh, coordination effort that CISA plays. Uh, give us an example, if you could, of, of where that's sort of coming into action in real time these days. Sure, thanks, Luke. Uh, so CISA doesn't have one uh, use case 5G installation or use case that I can profile. Of course. Uh, what it does have, as you mentioned, is collaborative activities and partnerships with, uh, with other federal agencies. Uh, we're collaborative in our discussions with DOD. Uh, right now, we're looking at assessing the interoperability of networks for hardware and software for 5G. Uh, we'll look at the interoperability of 5G mobile devices, and we're also going to look at uh, testing for and then closing the vulnerability to virtual networks uh, within 5G. And then we're also going to look at autonomous vehicles operating using 5G capability. Uh, we're leveraging the new and existing use cases within the federal government. Uh, to determine the risk landscape. We're not just looking in the federal government, we're also looking at what other organizations are doing in their 5G deployments, uh, international partners and uh, what industry is doing. The Prague conference uh, last year, and there'll be another one at the end of this year. Uh, great example of where uh, our international partners come together and talk about some of their use cases. And we exchange the information and garner the lessons that uh, we can, that they've learned. And then the same holds true, we share our information with uh, our partners so that we can uh, uh, give them the risk mitigation. They can develop their risk mitigation for 5G deployments. Uh, we also do that through individual international engagements with uh, specific countries. So we take the information from one stakeholder, the lessons learned, the best practices, the challenges. We validate that information, we analyze it, and we share it with other stakeholders so they can benefit from the uh, secure 5G successes. And this is government to government, government to industry, uh, and industry to government as well. Uh, we've partnered with the Federal Mobility Group to look at everything, uh, how we evaluate 5G security, asking and answering the question, how secure is my 5G network? How do I know it is secure enough to carry out the mission? Uh, DHS also has a Critical Infrastructure Resiliency Institute. Uh, they have a computer program which looks at uh, 5G infrastructure laydowns in various cities. Up until this point, they've uh, been moving uh, the 5G hardware around within a city to find optimization. And uh, now we're connecting them with a real 5G bed down in Washington, DC. 
to see if the efficiencies can be found uh, within the city itself rather than creating a simulated city uh, and a simulated 5G bed down. So we're moving forward with learning those lessons as well. We've also partnered with uh, the Federal Enterprise Mobility uh, Security Group to look at uh, application programming uh, interface APIs for traffic intelligence, uh, uh, fortifying federal mobility security networks, and then also uh, detecting 5G-based drones. Uh, through our partnerships with NSA and ODNI and uh, participation in the Enduring Security Framework, we published a report on the uh, potential threat vectors to the 5G infrastructure uh, as it is now within government. It brings together the threats seen in the US government 5G activities and includes uh, uh, that cohesive, that coherent uh, answer that the other federal agencies are looking for as well. The next step for that group is to develop a follow-on report to highlight successful mitigations to those 5G uh, threats. Uh, we also, we put a lot of analysis, a lot of thought, and if required, put some policy changes in place to then mitigate the risk uh, once the information is shared and analyzed. Uh, the federal government can't do it alone. We can establish security standards. We can put policies in place, but it'll take all the stakeholders to make a secure and resilient 5G uh, capability. Brian Kennedy, how about at Comscope? Can you give us a, a specific example of where you're seeing this capability rolling out? Sure. Um, you know, again, we're involved in a lot of the uh, OTAs and, uh, and test beds as well from an infrastructure perspective. I think when we one specific uh, application that is uh, that is that comes to mind is, um, you know, we, we have a, a CRAN, a digital CRAN antenna system that uh, we're able to to leverage um, uh, within uh, shipboard applications to to ensure that the 5G signal can be propagated through the ship and that the uh, the, the folks on board can leverage their, their tablets and their phones um, uh, while they're at, out at sea, as well as when they come back connecting to the terrestrial network. So that's one example. Um, we, we, we also stay ahead on this connectivity perspective relative to C-band antennas, for instance, the development is, is uh, already, we're already beginning to ship antennas in preparation for the rollout of that. Uh, and, and we try to make sure we stay ahead with the connectivity. Fiber optic is another key area. We're seeing a lot of, of, of rich fiber backbone that has to go in to support Again, the 5G uh, rollouts, but but that's one specific one that comes to mind. Um, we've got several other applications for for private networks that that we we have as well that uh, mm -hmm. that are being used. Obviously, uh, as as the, the folks have already mentioned, uh, switching from private back to to public networks. Um, it's just interesting transition times we're in, and we're certainly happy to be a part of it. Great so, use yeah. case there on this uh, on this fantastic technology. Well, let's roll over to some lessons learned. I know it's uh, early adoption, uh, but even in early adoption, uh, all of you uh, right at the forefront here of, of enabling this capability. There's always things that get discovered, things that others that are going to follow behind you should be considering. Uh, General Easley, let's start with you and uh, give us some lessons learned of the types of things that you're 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 thinking about there. Sure, one of the key um, pieces for a 5G rollout is really taking a system engineering approach. Understand those use cases, understand the architecture, understanding your data standards, what data are you pushing between those systems. But one thing we haven't talked about quite yet is, is cloud. How are you going to get data off of these endpoints, moved into a cloud environment back? Uh, in the Army, we're rolling out a, a, what our, our internal cloud environment called C-Army. And that's what we see is kind of that key leverage is how do we get data straight from a 5G endpoint um, through the transport layer, again, either using commercial transport or, the, or, or our own 
private transport into our, our, our cloud environment to make analytical decisions there and then get those decisions pushed back to edge. So that's how to replicate that and make that work over 50 different uses cases is what we in the Army are planning to do over the next um, decade. Fantastic. Dwayne, how about lessons learned uh, from your perspective? Um, uh, what would you like to impart uh, as far as wisdom on the community in regards to early adoption? Right. I think actually this has been a great uh, a model for uh, the services working together and uh, coordinating and communicating across uh, organizations. And even with uh, uh, CISA as well, I'm part of the mobility, uh, federal mobility group. And we have a, you know, hundreds, a hundred, a couple hundred people on that all across government. And so what I see what 5G is doing is it's really drawing uh, within DOD, all the different components together. And it's also drawing government all together and it's drawing industry together. So I think we've never had something that has uh, challenged our cultures to come together in such a way. Um, even, even I think of um, what 5G does, we're really combining the uh, IT, you know, um, information technology with OT, operational technology, and then with the defense industry. And these in industries and have really operated as separate cultures and separate security kind of protocols and all. And, and 5G is forcing all of us to come together in very unique ways that I think is very healthy uh, and, and has a big, huge benefit, uh, much broader than just 5G itself. Coordination, very key um, uh, to this whole aspect. Well, we're going to take another qu uh, quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Palo Alto Networks is proud to announce the industry's first 5G native security solution for the federal government, built to secure highly distributed cloud-native 5G networks. 5G networks enable new enterprise use cases, allowing for industrial-scale lot networks with ultra-low latency, mission-critical reliability, and a high degree of mobility. For more information, go to paloaltonetworks.com and search 5G. Advancements in technologies present federal agencies with both opportunities and challenges. At Verizon, we embrace those challenges. Verizon invests billions in our global networks every year to deliver secure data reliably. Our advanced communication solutions and modern call centers connect your workforce and citizens in the office, in the field, and internationally. We are committed to modernization that delivers better mission results faster. Verizon, we don't wait for the future, we build it. Verizonenterprise.com slash federal IT. From a simple switch to 5G connectivity, solving federal networking challenges has never been easier with Comscope. We understand federal networks demand agility, reliability, and security to protect and serve our citizens. Whether the connection is wired, Wi-Fi, cellular, or all three at once, Comscope pushes what's possible, delivering superior network performance in any environment. Go to comscope.com federal to learn how our innovations help you achieve your mission. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about 5G and we were just talking about lessons learned. Dan, I was going to throw it over to you. Top lesson learned that you're seeing so far. Well, I want to talk lessons learned with regards to uh, the benefits that 5G is providing the government and will provide the government. You go beyond smart everything. You get better government workforce, especially when you were working from home. You get uh, better cybersecurity with that 5G capability. But with that, you're also going to get an increased attack surface for malicious actors mm -hmm. uh, because you're introducing new vulnerabilities. It's a, 5G is dynamic. 
Uh, you're getting attempts by threat actors to influence the design and architecture of 5Gs, of 5G networks. Uh, that's primarily through standards building, uh, international standards building. Uh, we're seeing with the current 5G deployments that uh, leveraging legacy infrastructure and untrusted components brings its own set of vulnerabilities. And then uh, the other lesson learned we're finding out is that uh, limited competition in the 5G marketplace results in uh, more proprietary solutions from untrusted vendors. A lot of things to think about uh, as we're looking uh, at rolling out this capability. General Easily, top priority for the Army this year. Top priority is, is goes back to our zero trust architecture and really understanding how our network boundary changes with, with 5G. Um, this concept of a, perimeter, of, of a static perimeter defense no longer works in the, in the 5G architecture. And this, we have to understand this porous nature of the network as devices enter into it at, at, a, at the periphery. We kind of see them, we sense them, and we, we know what level of security we can give them from that standpoint. So that's really kind of our, 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 our thinking point there is how do we make these work? I mean, again, both for our kind of private infrastructure and then and, and the commercial infrastructure. Need to focus on that uh, that framework, Dwayne. Top priority at the Air Force this year. I think testing it out. Uh, we again, that's uh, uh, again the DoD has provided. Uh, actually, Congress has provided a huge amount of funding for DoD to be, to lead our country uh, for innovation and our impact our economy and our industry by using the DoD 5G test beds and all the services are are actively in, engaged in this. And so it's testing it out and uh, proving it in so that we can have confidence to deploy it. Shake it down so you can scale it. Dan, top priority for CISA this year. We're focused on secure and resilient 5G implementation uh, worldwide. Uh, secure and resilient is key. And uh, that's where we're trying to take the, uh, the rest of our region and the rest of the world. Uh, we need to keep the information sharing going and increase it. Uh, building our collaboration with our international partners, with our federal partners and, and government partners at the states localities, tribes, and territories. We also need to improve software supply chain security for 5G. The primes, the developers, the vendors will need to maintain greater visibility into their software and maintain security data, uh, make, make it more publicly available. Supply chain, very key. Year, we won't get there this year, but it is my priority to move the needle in that direction. Absolutely, it's a, it's a journey. Brian, top priority at Verizon this year for 5G. Uh, keeping up with demand is our number one priority. Uh, seriously, is actually rolling out the C-band, right? So getting that C-band spectrum online as quickly as possible uh, by the end of this year, that will actually start a three-year process. So that's our top priority right now. Top lesson learned. Uh, top lesson learned, I would say, as it was mentioned earlier, um, we launched 5G commercially on April 3rd, 2019. We started planning in 2017, right? So. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And I would say what I'm learning now, there's still some evolution in the network as we go to standalone core. And the other thing that I'm also seeing lesson learned, the eco ecosystem is starting to be built out. And I'm not talking about the network infrastructure as Dan's mentioning, we're starting to see the UE or end user devices beyond just smartphones and tablets that we get to more industrial IoT devices that are gonna encompass 5G. Um, very excited about that, and I think that's a lesson learned that that ecosystem is still and it's a little immature right now that it's going to grow out at the end of this year going into 22. Fantastic. Brian, top lesson learned at Palo Alto Networks. 
Yeah, I'd say the, the top lesson that we're learning right now is when we look at the way that some of these federal programs have gotten structured, um, we found that collaboration is key. Dwayne was, was making some points that this is, we're seeing the convergence of a lot of different um, types of technologies with 5G. We're, we're seeing that infrastructure is converging with applications, is converging with telecommunications, all into a single platform. Um, and we look at how the federal agencies are kind of adopting this. Uh, I, I think that a GoCo model is extremely important here because it gives the government the opportunity to have flexibility in the way that they deploy this. Instead of having a system integrator not working as closely with a, um, an application provider or an infrastructure provider because they own the equipment, um, when it's something that the federal government owns, it allows for a lot more flexibility going forward. So that flexibility is kind of what allows the collaboration between industry and government and different subject matter expertise. Um, so I think our biggest lesson learned is that we, we need to be constantly collaborating with the other OEMs in the space, the other system integrators, the other service providers like Verizon, and most importantly, with all of our federal partners that are going to be using this 5G technology going forward. Very good point you make there. How about top priority for Palo Alto? Yeah, as you would expect, I think our top priority is enabling our customers to be successful. Um, and that's whether it's the service providers out there like um, Verizon or whether it's our federal customers like we see um, with the Air Force or some of the other big DOD entities. Uh, we need to make sure that as they're charging forward and they're leading the charge even in front of private sector, that we're supporting them in the best way we can from a security perspective. Um, some of those initiatives that we've prioritized is coming up with our own reference architecture, which is an extension of what the DoD has recommended for zero trust. Mm -hmm. So we can help come up with guidelines to implement zero trust or implement 5G securely. Uh, some of it comes with partnering with some of the other OEMs in the space to make sure that we have proof points behind partnerships and what a reference architecture would look like from a security vendor into a telecommunication provider. Um, and obviously it comes with partnerships that we've developed with Verizon um, and some of the other big providers out there to make sure that our security can be deployed inside of their environments to help secure these 5G infrastructures as they go forward. Partnering collaboration, very key. Brian, Comsco, top lesson learned. I think the top lessons learned that we've seen are it's definitely uh, not happening overnight. It's an it's an evolution, not a revolution, right? Um, you know, typically these transitions take a long time, and and 5G, although it's fantastic and it's going to you know stabilize, and as we said, it's still in its infancy. Uh, it, it 4G is going to be the backbone for a long time to come, and mm -hmm. and we see that as being uh, being being a, a lesson learned there for sure. You know, we, we need to evaluate the current infrastructure and its support capabilities and implement the appropriate upgrades to ensure that the infrastructure can support this uh, th this new uh, evolution that is underway right now. And I, and I, I definitely echo the collaboration, um, you know, with, with other OEMs as well as the, um, the providers, the operating companies, because, you know, when you think about this, we're not only um, as each of the previous G's were solved a problem, you define the standards and then you built the product and you either tested the product and implemented the product. 5G seems to be one that's happening all in parallel, everything parallel across as we as we move down through this journey. And, uh, and so it makes it difficult, especially when you add on top of that where we are in today's environment with ma making things more virtualized and going to a more cloud experience. It, it just adds even more complexity to the entire story of developing 5G as we see it. So 
Um, those seem to be some of the lessons learned. We try to stay ahead of that at Comscope and make sure that we are providing our customers with solutions that, that help meet the need at the, at the time. And we have a saying now, now meets next. We're trying to make sure that we're here today uh, with solutions that help today, but also provide that for, forward thinking and looking uh, view that, that, that'll get us that, that end solution when the time is right and we get there. And, and speaking of next, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about next. So give us your top priority of this year. Paint a picture of the future right behind that. What's it look like from Comscope's perspective? Yeah, I think our top priority is definitely supporting our, our Fed customers uh, with network modernization across all aspects uh, of connectivity, including the physical network infrastructure, fiber, as we mentioned, fiber-rich backbones from a broadband perspective, you know, um, the mass traffic, uh, you know, but, but the needs at the edge also. The unlicensed spectrum, I think, is a key, uh, a key priority. Um, we're seeing more and more private networks uh, working in conjunction with, with uh, public networks. Um, you know, as we see things like uh, Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E come into play, those are going to be, you know, key focused areas and, and priorities for us. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it, uh, the last mile, I think, is going to be key from a power and communication and edge device perspective we're going to need to stay focused on. So those are some of the areas that we're extremely focused on to ensure we have solution sets ready for our customers. We really do appreciate that. Brian, how about a Palo Alto Networks? What's it look like in a couple of years? What's the demand signal out there right now? So I wouldn't even say a couple of years down the line. I mean, when we look at what the future is going to look like with 5G, I think it was was Matt who was highlighting a few use cases that automation is going to be key with 5G. Um, and we see that as kind of a major component of the security aspect of it as well. When we look at how security is going to be implemented going forward, it can't be something that's a manual process with only operators and, um, you know, manual analysts sitting in front of a computer it needs to be something that's automated using software. And that's what we're starting to bake into our technology now. And it's certainly somewhere where we're researching and we're looking to, to continue to go down that line in the future is we need to find a better way to do dynamic threat correlation. We need to find a better way to execute controls against potential threats right now, not in two hours or four hours or two days from now. Um, so what we really see is the future uh, for security with 5G is leveraging automation, leveraging machine learning to have better utilization of the software and make sure that threats are isolated um, as soon as they're uncovered, not waiting hours to do so. So I'd say automation machine learning is where we really see uh, the future going with 5G. Brian, how about at Verizon? Uh, what's it look like in a couple of years? Are we going to be fully 5G enabled across the country at that point? Yeah, we are in some cases today, uh, Luke. And uh, 2023 is our goal to get the C-band auction fully deployed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we actually have made that we're also decommissioning in that time frame, right? So don't forget about that. That's 3G in some aspects. Um, but I would also say here, as we talk about 5G and those immersive experiences, right, where we're talking about next generation warfare, the warehouse, right, that's going to take some time. We're, we're starting to see that today. We're operating a commercial network. We're building private networks, and actually, as a differentiator for us, we can actually bridge both. Um, but I also want to, you know, I'd be remiss to say, hey, people are already experiencing 5G today on mobile devices, right, their smartphones. One of the other near-term ones is actually 5G in terms of business internet or providing broadband access in a lot of areas or underserved areas, right? Uh, we see that as an immediate need and an actually immediate deployment later this year um, where you'll actually use 5G to provide broadband access to 
a military installation or a federal remote agency work location, you will actually see that in 21 and early 22. So uh, on top of all the, the other stuff that we're talking about, the immersive learning, the OTAs and all those test beds, but, um, and then the edge compute, obviously. And the other thing too I wanna mention is on the edge compute, we'll work on 4G technology, right? As Brian Kennedy just mentioned, 4G is gonna be a backbone for the foreseeable future. And we see a lot of use cases today that are actually using private LTE with edge compute. So as I like to say, you have a lot of different Lego blocks um, in terms of 5G and how the agencies are actually consume them are actually, it's not gonna be absolute and say I'm in 5G. The question really is, there's gonna be many different ways how I'm gonna consume 5G. What do I want to do, right? And never before did you have those options. Dan, you've got to wrestle all this together and make sure that everyone's communicating and making sure all these lessons learned and uh, uh, research and analysis, et cetera, stitches together as this wild west continues. Tell us what that's gonna look like over the next couple of years. What's sort of the, the goal there? Well, uh, no doubt that uh, we're going to see continued growth in 5G utilization, a beneficial growth in communications uh, through not 5G networks worldwide. And the federal government's no exception to that. We're going to see advancements in uh, open radio access network or ORAN concepts to increase interoperability with more vendors and in the 5G marketplace. ORAN opens protocols and interfaces between uh, subcomponents, which means computing power can be pushed from a core element to the edge closer to the user. And that's going to increase network agility, it's going to increase uh, flexibility, and it's going to decrease costs. It also means that uh, there's a potential for insertion of untrusted components within the RAN, uh, which will negate security advantages. Uh, so while our government is moving in that direction, like 5G, ORAN is dynamic, and we're going to have to see, we're going to see some security challenges that need to be mitigated. Uh, the CISA, by the way, published, uh, has two publications, the EDGE product, and then a risk characterization product both of them look at 5G risks and in an ORAN environment from different perspectives. They're publicly available on the CISA 5G website, uh, cisa.gov slash 5G. We're also going to see zero trust as a growth. You know, it's an important element for secure 5G. It's zero trust is not a, a tool. It's not a single product. It's a security model. It's a set of system design principles and a coordinated cybersecurity and system management strategy. Uh, CISA was a part of developing the NIST special publication for zero trust architecture last year. Uh, I know the Defense Information Systems Agency recently published its zero trust arch uh, reference architecture. DOD is increasing funding for zero trust architectures. And uh, uh, you're going to see more of a growth of that uh, in the next one to three years or two years. Software assurance and supply chain assurance. Uh, a lot of that comes from lessons learned from recent events. But it's also been a uh, growing uh, risk that we've been trying to mitigate for several years at CISA. Uh, it was critical before solar winds, and it's moved to the forefront now for cybersecurity on the radar. So those are three, excuse me, four areas where you will see uh, growth and uh, movement towards in the next uh, few years. And we really appreciate everything that CISA is doing to uh, uh, pull all this together as uh, we all go on this journey. Uh, Dwayne, how about the Air Force? What does that look like in a couple of years? If I'm a pilot coming out of the uh, Air Force Academy, uh, what can I expect in a couple of years? Well, I, so 5G is visionary and I think it's achievable. We talked about some of these use cases, but what I want to really um, focus in on where we're going to get to the future is back to security. And it's interesting that this comes up often. We, ha we have a panel full of security experts and our, our commanders are as much as they want the uh, advanced technology use cases, 
Uh, they're not going to roll it out until they have some confidence related to security. So I think the things that we need to do related to that is one is uh, design security in from the from the beginning. Design is so critical that we look at the big picture. Again, 5G is had, uh, was designed with security uh, in in mind, and so there are some advantages. But there are also all these different vulnerabilities that'll be new because of the architecture that we need to address. And this whole team has been talking about how we're going to address that. But so so that's part of the foundation is design. Then trusted trusted partners, uh, trusted vendors that we really. Uh, uh, establish those that we can, uh, who really understand the security aspects and we bring that into it. Uh, next is testing. This is a real key area is that we're testing across the board and then rollout. And that's rollout in phases is, you know, I think 5G is going to be taking place over this whole next decade. Let's not wait to the end of the decade to get to realize all these capabilities. As soon as they're available, as soon as they've been tested out, as soon as we have that security confidence, uh, we need to move forward with it. And so I think that's where all of this team has been uh, uh, kind of teaming up and saying, this is where we need to go, is uh, getting to that point where we can deploy these things uh, quickly and confidently. General Easley, uh, speaking of security, take us home. What does it look like to the soldier, to the Army at large uh, in a couple of years? What's the, what's the goal at this point? Well, again, as, as all the panelists have talked about, we, we see... Uh, 5G as, as transformational across a whole broad spectrum of areas from our hospitals, from our logistics systems, to our training system, to our command posts. Um, it's, it will become the, the next um, key infrastructure for, for our warfighting systems. But as, as we talk, it's a whole series of things that have to come together. It's the network, it's the applications, it's the infrastructure, it's the software, it's the data, it's all these pieces to, to, that need to come together into these operating systems. Um, we know that our, our workforce of today is not ready to, to take ownership of those systems. So one of our kind of key initiatives, both in the Army and the rest of the DOD, is how do we upskill our workforce to work in this new ecosystem and all the different pieces that come together. So, I mean, I, I'd love to talk security and I, as we all know, security is critically important to, to do this. Um, the tools, the infrastructure, but it's our, also our people. And we have to look at how do we move our people into this new, new type of systems um, to again, manage that data, manage the applications, manage the infrastructure, working with our commercial partners, working with, with, with the rest of the government to make this, these systems um, come to life. As we advance the technology, we have to advance the skill sets as well. And that was a, a beautiful way to end it uh, on the people. Uh, well, I'd like to thank all of you for your service and for all the guests for taking the time out of their busy schedules to join us for the program. I'd like to thank our sponsors for supporting us on this show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make the program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.